0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mission log. Mission Log, a
1: Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 308, Crossover. Crossover.
0: to Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray.
2: Each week on Mission Log, we watch an episode of Star Trek, taking it apart for things and other things and seeing whether those things are things we can use today.
0: This week, crossover. The one where Batman meets the Green Hornet. The one where Carol Burnett meets Spock. And the one where Steve Austin and Jamie Summers take on Bigfoot. Oh, oh, let me. Uh, it's the one where the Harlem Globetrotters end up on
2: Gilligan's Island. The one where Jerry Reed hangs out with the Scooby Gang. The one where Bugs and Mickey meet Roger Rabbit. All of minor cartoons.
0: Actually, this is our first trip back to the Mirror Universe. I mean, not our first trip, but uh, Trek's first time revisiting the Terran Empire. I've got trivia coming up in a moment, but first. But first,
2: I'm going to let you know how to get in touch with us. Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we would love to hear your voice. 323 5641 is the phone number to call. 323 5641. Our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com. Our show website, including discovered documents, is at missionlogpodcast.com. And please do remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. I laugh, John, because uh, we just got a message from Roddenberry.
0: I I saw that. I saw that. That's great. So shout
2: out to him. What? what? Mm -hmm. In the meantime, I'm actually going to go read the message because I only saw that we got it. I haven't read the message, but while I'm reading that message, how about you hit people with a bit of trivia?
0: Well, here we go. Trivia for today's episode crossover. We have a story by Peter Allen Fields and a teleplay by Peter Allen Fields with Michael Piller. So both familiar names there, and it shouldn't come as a surprise that ever since Mirror Mirror in Season 2 of TOS, there have been ideas and pitches floated around about a return to the Mirror Universe. It didn't happen in TNG, though the closest we got was yesterday's Enterprise, in which we saw a more warlike version of Starfleet when the Enterprise C escaped battle with the Klingons. So many stories were passed over, but Michael Piller was still intrigued by the aftermath of Kirk's journey to the other side. This episode was directed by David Livingston, of course, journeyman, Trek producer and director with us since the very beginning of TNG. The most recent of his DS9 episodes we discussed was The Maquis Part 1. Now, normally a bottle show, one that is shot on all existing sets with no new sets or locations, is a way to save money. This episode, however, had a lot of redressing of those sets and more than the usual contingent of alien makeup on featured and extra characters. It was a production challenge and actually ended up being one of the more expensive episodes of the season. Now, this seems like as good an episode as any to talk again about bob blackman we mentioned him taking over the wardrobe duties on tng bill tice had gotten the department up and running through the first season blackman has been working almost equally in costume design for live theater as well as for film and tv and picked up a number of awards along the way including two emmys for star trek and one for pushing daisies in 2009 in this episode a lot of attention was given to Intendant Kira's costume, which, he pointed out, was no more revealing than Kira's regular costume on DS9. He chalks up any extra sexiness to Nana's performance.
2: No, he's leaving out the shiny.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, well, I, mean,
2: I, mean, I mean, come on. You're, you're just trying to tell yourself stories if you don't think one is different.
0: Uh, there's a different tone but as far as revealing that that that's his point yeah yeah Yeah. he's not going that bill tice route of you know cutting out all the you know creating a lot of negative space with the costume that was definitely bill tice's stock in trade you look at anything he did on tos and you even look at what he did on uh uh in tng when he had uh, uh tasha yar's costume that was very revealing in the scene with data that, that was the Bill Tice style, uh, whereas the Bob Blackman style is to sort of keep people covered up. But but obviously uh, very well tailored and use very unique materials like you did in this one, too. Now, let's talk about guest stars. We actually have very few. Everybody is playing themselves, or the mirror version of themselves. Uh, we also get Andrew Robinson back right after his lead role in last week's episode as Garrick. But we do have John Cothran Jr. as Telok. We've seen him before, not as Telok, but as another Klingon on TNG when he appeared in The Chase. He's had a long career in TV and film appearances, some of which we highlighted the last time around. He also appeared in that Star Trek Borg video game, which still, to this day, I have not figured out. And he will be back for more Trek in Enterprise. New people
1: come through a new thing in the sky. But one of these people
0: looks like someone we know. Prologue. Major Kira and Dr. Bashir have been in the Gamma Quadrant, helping set up the medical facility on a Bajoran colony. It's all light conversation and some awkward flirting on Bashir's part as their runabout makes its way back to the wormhole and onto DS9. Something happens, though. There's a plasma injector leak when their warp field doesn't fully collapse. Flash of light, a bit of turbulence, and they find themselves on the other side. But no DS9. There's a Klingon warship, though, on an intercept course. Two tough Klingons beam aboard, brandishing weapons, but they stop when they see Kira. It's her. And suddenly, they're very deferential. They offer to escort the runabout back to DS9, and on board, they're greeted by Garrick. A sort of tougher, more serious Garrick. Then, from out of the shadows, emerges another Kira. Like exactly another Kira, but dressed a bit differently asking of our Kira, who are you? Act 1. The obvious question that Bashir has, where are they? It's Terak-Nor Station, says Garak, the center of authority in the Bajoran sector for the Alliance, clearly made up of Cardassians, Klingons, and Bajorans, with Intendant Kira in charge here. Our Kira says something about the wormhole that they know nothing about. Oh, never mind they just like to leave and get back to where they came from. No deal, says Intendant Kira. Bashir is to be taken to do some hard labor, and Kira will come with her. Just a few steps into the promenade, a Klingon brings a human, sorry, Terran, who has attempted to escape the station, to Intendant Kira's attention. Garrick wants to kill him, to set an example, but she says no. He can interrogate, but don't kill him. Down in the ore processing area, Bashir is introduced to Odo. This Odo is stern and humorless, like the Odo on DS9, but way less cuddly. Even saying that he's a doctor earns Julian a slap in the face and a reminder not to tell jokes. Off to work he goes, and he passes by a familiar face. There's Miles O'Brien, also serving hard labor. Kira is taken to Kira. Intendant Kira, that is. The Intendant is in charge of the station, and it seems that she knows a little more about what's going on than Kira does. A hundred years ago, James Kirk made his way from his universe to this one. He influenced Spock, sporting a marvelous goatee, to reform the Terran Empire. Those reforms were so profound that it made for the perfect opportunity for the alliance of Cardassians, Klingons, and Bajorans to swoop in and enslave the Terrans. Uh, cool story. Can we leave now? Nope. The Intendant doesn't know how to send them back, even though Kirk slipped through with a transporter accident. Besides, they have a rule here that if anyone does show up from that other universe, they should be killed. Only, she won't, And Kira gives her a reason. They could probably use the intendant's knowledge to build a stronger Bajor. Fine, she says. But Bashir needs to die. No, please don't do that. Okay, but the Klingons and Cardassians will insist. Kira appeals to the intendant's power and says she can't allow herself to be dictated by them. For now, the intendant will allow Kira to have her own quarters and will call for her later. Act 2. Kira checks in on Bashir and the ore processing center, sweatier but about the same. She explains the thing with Kirk and the parallel universe and says a transporter might be their ticket out of here. Bashir says he can talk to this universe's O'Brien. Maybe he knows as much as their universe's O'Brien when it comes to teching the tech. There's a Quark's bar on this station. Kira heads there to see if she can talk Quark into helping her get access to a transporter since... You know, the other Quark has all kinds of access to all kinds of things. He says he's willing to help, as long as he has access to whatever gets her back to her universe. That's maybe not such a great idea. But before they can debate it, Garrick appears. He's furious that Quark has been helping Terrans escape, revealed by the man who was caught earlier trying to stow away. Quark tries to make a run for it, to no avail. Garrick has him caught. While all this is happening, and hurting Kira's chances of getting to a transporter, a man very much resembling Benjamin Sisko slides into the bar demanding drinks. Since Quark is gone, he makes the decision for himself that everything is on the house. Down in the labor area, Bashir tries to befriend Miles O'Brien. In his universe, they're the best of friends. His Miles is chief of operations. And you wouldn't happen to know something about transporters, too, would you? This Miles is a little put off, feeling like he's being manipulated. Then Odo shows up, telling him that he's wanted in the bar by Mr. Sisko. In this universe, Sisko is a sort of pirate, taking duties for the intendant from other ships. She likes him. He amuses her. And Sisko lets our Kira know that she amuses the intendant, too. In walks Miles, or as Sisko taunts him, Smiley. Sisko needs a favor. Fix his ship. Now. He doesn't care what else he has to drop to make it happen. Then a call comes from the Intendant. She wants to hear about Sisko's latest mission, from him personally, in her quarters. Act 3. The Intendant has a bath, while Sisko lounges and in walks Kira. Sisko dismisses himself, and the Intendant confronts Kira about asking Quark for a transporter. Yeah, she admits it. She did so because she was looking for a way home. Wouldn't have worked anyway, the Intendant says. After James Kirk has the first crossover accident, transporters were designed to, uh, not send people to a parallel universe. Plus, she likes Kira, wants her to stick around. If she can't love herself... Who else could? Garrick enters with Quark. He confessed under interrogation to helping Terrans escape, and the Intendant orders a quick, merciful death. Now, what will she and Kira wear to the little soiree she's planned for tonight? Garrick is waiting for Kira in her quarters, and he's got to level with her. Doesn't she get it? The Intendant is in love with her. Will at least obsessed with her. She's all she talks about. She's the only one the intendant trusts. And with that said, how about maybe helping to get rid of her? The plan looks like this. He gets rid of Intendant Kira sometime tonight, while our Kira takes her place. They'll say it's the new one who simply found her way home again. Then Kira, as the imposter intendant, will leave on a spiritual journey and appoint Garrick in charge. If Kira agrees... They'll have Bashir waiting for her. If she declines, Odo will kill the doctor. Act 4. Kira goes to Bashir with urgency in her voice. They have got to get out of there tonight. Just keep your eyes open and wait for an opportunity. Next, she goes to Sisko, hoping he can help her get back to the runabout. She'll even tell him that Garrick is planning to kill the intendant and put her in her place. Sisko can only laugh. Garrick has been trying to kill her for years. The replacement is a new idea, though. But he's not interested. Kira can't believe it. He may not be her Sisko, but what about doing it to help the other Terrans who are enslaved? He's still uninterested. But her parting shot is to remind him that he's still a victim of the Intendant's whims, even if he thinks he has it better than others. The fancy party starts... There's Dabo and uh, music played on a space lute and fabulous matching purple dresses for Kira and the Intendant. There's also some Klingon intimidation of Terrans going on, but it stops short of bloodshed. Bashir is having a rough time in the ore processing center, worn out, harassed by Odo, until the freak thorium leak throws everything into chaos. This seems like exactly the moment Bashir needed a distraction, to get out of there. In the confusion, he punches a guard and takes his weapon. Odo sees what's happening and prepares by aiming his own weapon at Bashir. Bashir fires first, though, and in case anyone wonders, the mirror version of Odo blowed up real good. Act 5. Bashir evades the authorities by crawling into a conduit, and who should be there but Smiley O'Brien working on that thorium leak? Bashir needs help to escape which O'Brien is reluctant to give unless he can go back to the other universe with them. Probably not the first choice of Starfleet on the other end, but okay, Bashir can't leave his friend behind. Off they go down the conduits again, only to be caught by the Klingons and dragged into the bar to face Intendant Kira. Okay, now they have really worked on her last nerve. All the mercy she showed before is out the airlock. And she orders that Bashir be killed slowly, in public, to set an example. And O'Brien along with him. But first, she asks why he did it. O'Brien says that in the other universe, he, a Terran, is better than this. He's a chief of operations with skills. He wanted to believe that in the right circumstances, he could do better. Too bad, you're gonna die. But not so fast. It's Sisko who pulls his weapon on Intendant Kira and says he changed his mind. The rest of his Terran crew, armed, make their way out of the bar with O'Brien, plus our Kira, and Bashir in tow. They buy a little time by blasting the door shut and make their way to their respective ships. O'Brien needs a new home, and he's welcomed aboard by Sisko's crew. It's a rush now for Kira and Bashir and their runabout back to the wormhole. That plasma leak is still leaking, and a Klingon cruiser is bearing down fast. In the nick of time, they fly through the wormhole, hopefully back home. On DS9, our DS9, the ops crew are picking up traces of a plasma leak, but no ship, until... there it is. A damaged runabout emerges, and Sisko asks, where have they been? Exhausted, Kira replies, through the looking glass. The End. So now the
2: mirror universe knows about the wormhole.
0: Well, see, that's the thing. They so we don't know about the wormhole, the, the thing you just came through. And, right. then, uh, and then Bashir and Kira just say, we, we're just going to go back to the wormhole. And there it is. It's not like it, it you know, this is there for them to get through. So clearly the mirror universe would have to know about the wormhole at this point. Because A, we told them about it. And B, we just watched them go through.
2: Well, not only that, but there was a ship chasing them as they went into the wormhole.
0: Yeah, so the Klingons just turn around like, oops, we don't know what that is.
2: (laughs) I guess so. I don't know. Maybe they blinked.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah.
2: Literally blinked and missed it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder wonder if this will ever come up again.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you just have to wonder if uh, if your universe will emerge again at any point sooner (sighs) or later.
2: Or later yeah. or sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, John, but you like, uh, you like food and drink.
0: Uh, we, uh, we might have mentioned that before yeah. at one okay. point.
2: Yeah, uh, Check me on this. Yeah. Uh, you're at a bar or a restaurant mm-hmm. and you order a hot beverage. Yeah. And they're bringing you the hot beverage. And right before they hand it to you, uh, the waiter blows on the hot beverage <laughs> for you.
0: <laughs> now, for me, I'm out. Yeah, that that yeah, I think that sounds like a safe bet. I mean, e- even <laughs> even if it's somebody that I'm very close to, I don't right. want that happening.
2: Well, not only that, but I'm not very close to Mirror that person, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, right. even though she's telling Mirror or Quark that you know she and you know Prime Quark are best friends or you know close or even like each other, yeah, yeah. Um, they don't really.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just. I uh, was. I was yeah.
2: kind of like. I was like when he's blowing on her drink. I'm like, wow. Is she gonna drink that? That's gross. That's just gross.
0: <laughs> like, does he do that for intendant, Kira? Because still, <laughs> still kind of gross. Look, I, I'm a little weirded out at the idea that uh, you know we we blow the candles out on a cake that then everybody is going to eat. Like, I, I just think you know, just sort of aim Man. aim high, and that, just 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 aim for the candles. That
2: never even crossed my mind.
0: See, now, now you're oh. going to think about it every time.
2: Well, I'm going to think about all the times I've done it before and every time I'm <laughs> going to do it from now on or not. <laughs> Just, I'm going to have to like, yeah. make a cake for people and then put like, a candle on a plate nowhere near the cake. Just that's like, it, yeah, there's that, a candle it, it, in the like, other room that you can blow out if that's your thing.
0: Yeah, you do the, like the honorary candle on like, a ceramic uh, model of a cake <laughs> that can be sterilized.
2: <laughs> that's a fun time. idea. Uh, conversely, you could do the sparkler thing.
0: But oh, sure. You, but then yeah. you've just got sparkler residue all over your cake, which you still have to eat. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, oh, boy. We're ruining birthdays for everybody. Ha ha ha. I'm still, uh, you know, in the uh, in the prime universe, in our universe, mm-hmm. uh, Turek Noor, uh, now DS9, it was an ore processing center for the Cardassians. Um, I still don't get the whole ore processing thing on that station. I mean, it's expensive to get stuff from one place to another in space. Mm-hmm. I would assume you just want to leave the ore where you found it and process it there.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Unless it's like uh space ore. Okay, I'll give them this. Maybe it's from like an asteroid. You you gotta go drag that in and and you have to hook it up to a space station to make that happen. Maybe maybe that that's it. I'll give them that.
2: Kira worked in the mine when she was a kid. I don't think they like flew her to an asteroid for her to work in the mine. It'd be fun though. Yeah, it would be fun. <laughs> It'd be cool. It'd be like space camp, but you know Yeah. Nothing like space camp.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that for a show like TNG that was so wary of mentioning anything from the original series for the first few seasons, um, I lost count of how many times they said Kirk in this episode.
2: That's interesting, because I was thinking the only thing I thought about Kirk was I really liked the fact that Kira had no idea who that was.
0: Yeah, I, I did like that, too. Yeah,
2: it made sense to me that she would really have no clue who he was mm-hmm. and it also makes sense to me that Bashir would know who he is because it might be a thing that you read about although I really don't know that you'd read about the mirror universe
0: yeah at yeah. the uh,
2: at the academy
0: well, it, it, so I can think of two reasons, though. Do you think you don't read about it because it's just one of so many weird adventures that Kirk or, or add any other Captain Pike or and it Robert April would have had? Or you don't read about it because that stuff should be super classified.
2: I would think it would be because it should be super classified. Well, no. I mean, let's back up. Okay. I would think it should be completely open, as should everything in the Federation and in Starfleet. But mm-hmm. in these tellings of Star Trek... I would think it would have to be classified. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, that's going to drive people insane. Right.
0: <laughs> it would. It would. Uh here's another thing that'll drive you insane. Hmm. Intent Kira says to Kira, if you can't love me, who can? Mm-hmm. Which which sounds it sounds a little seductive it sounds a little intimate a little personal to me this sounds like uh, my worst nightmare uh, meeting yourself because if anybody can loathe me because they understand all of my uh, faults yeah. it would be the mirror version of me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a great yeah that's true I will say momentarily I was reminded of the discussion that we had about uh, Thomas Riker and Will Riker.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, because that was a Riker Riker thing, uh, and the Kira Kira thing. Yeah, it was. It was. It, there were things here that were you know, suggestive, uh, uncomfortable. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't know what your bag is. But no, no
0: you know. look, I, I like that they played that. Like, like straddled that very fine line. It's like I said with Garrick, uh, when we first met him and his first uh, uh, lunch with Bashir, there was something seductive about it. Not not sexual, but just generically seductive about what was going on. And it was really cool because they, they weren't hammering you with it. It was just all these layers that the actor got to play. And I thought that was really cool. And that was really cool here with Intendant uh, Kira as well. Um, Bashir says to Mira O'Brien, you know, in my universe, you're married and you have a child, and I'm filling in the blanks uh, to say, look, it's just a relationship that none of us get. Look, stay here. <laughs> stay, you know, <laughs> right. just stay here, dude. Oh, yeah.
2: Lord, that's kind of terrible. Yeah. yeah. There, uh, include other things like unfinished sentences, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrick is talking to uh, Prime Kira. And says, tomorrow she will be gone. And Kira says, gone. And Garrick says, uh-huh. she will be gone. Please don't make me use some foolish euphemism. Which I <laughs> wanted Kira to go, oh, so she's actually going somewhere then. Because <laughs> right, I thought this was a euphemism for killing. Oh, yeah, oh wait,
0: wait. Oh, did, yeah. Okay. Did I say yeah, that cause...
2: wrong? Okay, yes. Don't make me use another foolish euphemism. How, yeah, I'm going to kill her. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to kill her. I'm going to kill her. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Sorry. Yes, I, uh, it's,
0: uh, single yeah. entendre theater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like the use of uh terans or terrons sometimes we'd say in this uh, sometimes like klingons versus klingons
2: yes um
0: yeah terrons i wonder if that was the influence of the the like the the Ferengis saying humans they just terrons some people would say it it's kind of cool kinda maybe cool. so
2: we're, we're like halfway though to let's call the whole thing off we are. We you are. say Terrans, I say Terrans, You say I, Klingons, I, I say Klingons. Klingons,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: you keep going,
1: mm-hmm. Lord.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, a, a name drop here, House of Duras, L- Lursa and Bator, mm-hmm. who survive in uh, in that merry universe, so that's kind of cool. And um, uh, good for Sisko, by the way, pulling his gun on Intendant Kira at the end of the episode to save O'Brien and Bashir, He's only in a room full of Klingons and Cardassians uh, who look at Terrans as slave scum. But, but yeah, they're, they're just, uh, look, the guy's got a gun. Better let him go this time. <laughs> very, very dramatic moment. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and I guess, uh, like we mentioned before, we, we're just waiting for the time that the, uh, uh, the wormhole is now exposed to this mirror universe. And, and who knows? What that pretends for Star Trek to come now that this wormhole possibly is known to people in a mirror universe.
2: There are two other things I want to hit really quickly before we get out production things not, you know, not sort of big, you know, episode things. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned the fact that they were playing. What did you say they were playing? Because it what? sounded to me like uh, an ocarina But uh, what, what is the name? Oh, what? oh,
0: it was, it was actually like a space flute Yeah or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, When
2: she comes in and says, you know, play something bright I'm in a happy mood yeah. How about the Legend of Zelda soundtrack? <laughs> nice. How would that be? Or, you know, something yeah. from a you know, mid-90s video game That'd be great Yeah um, And then the other thing I wanted to mention uh, Props to that Exploding Odo that you mentioned Because, man, that was quite the prop
1: Some of you may be worried, but fear not. The head of the ore processing facility will be fine. Luckily, someone was there with a sponge. We'll get back to Crossover in a moment, but first...
2: But first, a message from ExpressVPN. You know what's cool about today's technology, John? I don't. What's that, Ken? It makes things easy. Like, I can surf the web anywhere, which means I can email anywhere, I can shop anywhere, I can bank anywhere. Super convenient.
0: That, those are all good things. That's what I like about technology.
2: Yeah. Of course, that means I can have all sorts of information stolen anywhere as well.
0: See, that part is not good.
2: No, it is not. But I have protection. ExpressVPN. With ExpressVPN, the information that I send and receive stays between me and the website I'm connecting to. That means bad guys won't get sensitive information off me, and data brokers won't get more information about me to sell. Do you need to use a VPN at home? Eh, probably not for the same reasons you do at a coffee shop, but I can tell you I've been using ExpressVPN at home, and my speed has not taken a hit. In fact, things I've been unable to do running previous VPNs, I have no problem doing with ExpressVPN. VPN. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. It is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you ever use public Wi-Fi, I'm looking at you, John Champion. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep your info secure, ExpressVPN is the solution. And if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet service provider or other data resellers, ExpressVPN is is the solution. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mission log. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N expressvpn.com slash mission log for three months free with a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash mission log to learn more. And a big thanks to ExpressVPN. For sponsoring this week's show,
0: so in this episode, I'll actually give Bashir some props. Hmm. He can't help himself asking Kira to dinner, but okay. But then, but then, when it gets awkward, what happens? He he just backs off like he should. No harm, no foul. He, he the the awkward moment is presented, and, and they all kind of get uncomfortable about it. And he's like, "Oh yeah, well, uh, of course, no, uh, sorry." And then let's move on.
2: See, it's interesting. I didn't think he was actually hitting on her.
0: Yeah. No, I, I thought there was a little that subject. Hey, we should have dinner. But then, uh, you know, look, he's, he's Bashir. And the Bashir that we've seen so far is a Bashir who, who likes the ladies. He,
2: he is the Bashir who likes the ladies. That's true. But it's never been unclear when he was hitting on someone. And this didn't mm-hmm. feel to me like he was hitting on her. It felt to me like it was just sort of a collegial. Uh, do you want to have dinner sometime? Like kind of mm-hmm. thing, like mm-hmm. you know, hey, maybe we could grow our, have more time for conversation. I, it, it, whatever. I mean, it's maybe mm-hmm. he was hitting on her, maybe he wasn't. I like the fact that it wasn't really that big a deal in this episode. Yeah, I got to say, uh, Julian being insufferable at the beginning of the episode, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and, and yeah. I don't mean hitting on her because again, I didn't feel it that way, but just like having zero social graces, mm-hmm. he has had zero social graces for so many episodes, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. But then last week on The Wire, I was it was a much more uh, considered, much more grounded Bashir in a way, mm-hmm. right? I don't know whether they're doing this intentionally or not, but I mean, he's had a longer relationship with Garrick than he's had with almost anybody on the show, at least a longer sort of closer relationship with Garrick than he's had with almost anybody on the show. Yeah. So he can be sort of like a more mature character at that point. He is starting to have that with O'Brien. And so he can be a more mature character with him as well. If he can get past his hormone thing, he can start to have that with Dax, I think. And we really haven't seen much interaction between him and uh, and Kira.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so he's still doing that thing of like, oh, oh, uh, uh, conversation. Uh, uncomfortable silence. Need to fill it with everything. I don't know if this is like, you know... I don't know if this is just lazy, like, writing. It's like, oh, let's make Julian stupid again. Or yeah. if this is actually really considering his character and like, okay, well, there are these characters that he's comfortable with. And so he's not going to be, um, you know, as season one, episode three, Julian. But yeah. with Kira, he is going to be season one, episode three, Julian, because he's pretty much season one, episode three with her as far as their relationship is concerned.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I thought it was played nicely. And yeah, it was believable, ju- just his... Inability to get a clue uh, about her discomfort when he's doing his breathing exercises. Like, it it was all, it was nice. It it was a good moment.
2: Uh, Can I ask another question about this episode?
0: Yeah, please.
2: What is Bajor doing setting up a colony in the Gamma Quadrant?
0: Okay, thank you. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> they, yeah, <laughs> they 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 have better things to do. They they have. Uh, I'm going to start with a, a little planet called Bajor.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's not all together yet.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. They got cloud monsters to fight. Mm -hmm. They've got uh, a provisional government that just doesn't seem to always make the best choices. Uh, Yeah, it it just seems like there is so much that they need to accomplish there. And it doesn't sound yet like they've been really hurt for resources. It does sound like there's a big chunk of land that is unoccupied already on Bajor, because remember those settlers were going to try to settle there. And Bajor was like, no, you can't stay there, even though there's nobody there. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. uh, So here's the thing. I'm reminded of, so Tennessee, Fort Nashboro actually was founded in 1779. And it's weird to me that Fort Nashboro was founded in 1779 because if memory serves, the colonies were up to some stuff around, you know, 1776 through 1780, Mm -hmm. Hessenburg. I don't remember exactly, 83, 85. I don't know. Sure. But, I mean, it's weird to me that, you know, a colony was founded or, you know, a settlement was founded far west, as far west as Tennessee in Mm -hmm. 1779. Except, of course, you've got fronts, right? You've got battle areas that you need to worry about. It makes sense. You want to send people west because then if somebody, you know, sneaks around and tries to head east from behind you, hey, you're sort of covered on that front. Yeah. Uh, So even if Bajor wanted to settle like the next nearest planet in the Alpha Quadrant, I would get it. Mm Mm-hmm. Going to settle, uh, you know, in in the Gamma Quadrant, or going to you know to start a colony in the Gamma Quadrant, just makes no sense to me at all. Unless you're going to the wormhole to spread news of the prophets, who by the way are through the wormhole, so really you don't even need to <laughs> yeah. do that. I don't think yeah. it's, it struck me as kind of an odd thing, and yet apparently this is far enough along that they're just going, like, you know, setting up a hospital at this point? Because, you know, everything else, I guess, is there? Or is it more like they're building everything, getting ready for when people arrive?
0: Maybe so. But but even then, I, I just... Look, it, it seems like... Uh spreading herself a little thin unless it's just bad influence from the federation. So here's the federation, they send a guy like Cisco Starfleet sends a guy like Cisco over to to help guide what's happening to be sort of a liaison with the Bajorans, make sure everything's cool. And then the more they get to know each other, uh they're like, "So what what does the federation do? What does Starfleet do?" Well, look, basically everybody wants to move somewhere else. So uh, we just constantly set up <laughs> colonies. Um, it's also
2: sort of terrible. They named it New Bayjor. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, I never yeah. really understood that either. Though, like you know, even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
2: and so why, you know, yeah, yeah okay, and <laughs> Plymouth, of course. So what's the Eddie Izzard joke? You know, it's like when uh, when they when they, uh, when they came here in 1627, they landed at Plymouth, and they said, "We landed at Plymouth. We just left Plymouth. Ah, we've gone round." Do you think they had to look for a planet just like Bajor?
0: Uh, were they even thinking that far? Were, well, were, they, you... were they just like, well, this place... Because, look, remember, there, there was a Bajoran who'd settled on that moon. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and they were just like, well, we got a house, and we got trees, and we got uh, rocks. <laughs> and <laughs> could have
2: named, named that new Bajor and been done with it. And then could of course have. you've also yeah. strengthened your defenses, you know, should the Cardassians come back or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just so I mean, so. it's hardly even a thing. We're talking about it honestly for much, much longer than they talked about it in the episode. It just struck me as kind of odd to hear that yeah, Bajor is like, yeah, you know, spreading that yeah. to a whole yeah. other part of the uh to a whole other part of the galaxy.
0: Yeah.
2: Alright, yeah. well yeah. good.
0: Um so uh, let's talk about something that they do talk about quite a bit in this episode, which is uh, the mirror universe. Mm. Uh, they don't actually use the phrase mirror in here, but uh, there is a mirror universe. And and I, I feel like this needs to be addressed. Uh, and, and maybe I'm tipping my hand a little bit before we get into the wrap up, before we have our final thoughts on the episode. But there's just some stuff that I feel like we need to get out of the way because it. It influenced my final feelings on the episode. So, uh, first of all, as we said in TNG, there is no Enterprise, there is no Picard, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that there is no DS9, and there is no Kira, and there is no Bashir. So fiction, science fiction, is all metaphor anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more mirror universe I see, the metaphor within the metaphor... The more I get burnt out because it doesn't hold up, and I realize that that this, according to the uh, air date timeline, this is only the second time that we've actually seen the mirror universe. I felt the way that was handled in Next Gen was very smart because it, it was just a a singular moment about a singular event. Uh, where we felt like, okay, this is wrong, we need to correct the history here, the historic element, not just, well, this is happening in a different universe, and uh, we have to get out of here. So, first of all, there's the existential horror, that no matter what universe you, quote-unquote, you exist in, you're basically, you have the same name, uh, you have the same attributes, uh, sometimes the same job especially with a guy like Quark. Um, and, and I kept wondering, like, oh, so tell me about my Mirror Universe counterpart. Well, he's, he's the same. He does the same thing. He has a bar. And, uh, oh, you don't know about Latinum? Eh, that's okay. You're making your money uh, some other way. Uh, even the architecture, still uh, basically the same. You know, we, we have ships, and we have uh, Deep Space Nine, and we have Klingons, and the Klingons have the same uniforms, you know. So everything is exactly the same. They're just meaner. They're, they're just a little more evil. Um, and as we discussed before, when we talked about the mirror universe, part of that problem is that when you say, well, everything's the same, just more brutal, just meaner. Well, that might be an okay way to establish uh, a, a conquering force. That might be a way to uh, to set up that political environment. But it's not a great way to maintain it. Because eventually you run out of things to conquer, you run out of uh, uh, the ability to progress beyond where you are, you know, uh, that's sort of one of the, I remember as sort of a mental exercise, uh, you know, taking ancient history courses. And of course, there is a, a somewhat natural progression to how technology changes, but One of the arguments made about why the ancient world relied so heavily on slave labor and didn't use some of the technological innovations that might have been available to them, because you also have some very smart people living at that time, uh, is that there was no, no impetus to have much technological innovation when you have an unlimited supply of slave labor so you just sort of stay at the same level of development because well okay we just we just get this constant influx uh, influx of people we've conquered to do the heavy lifting for us i don't need to invent a machine to do the work of 10 people i've got 10 people and behind them if they die i've got 10 more people and 10 more and 10 more and 10 more so it it's a little hard to swallow that all the other events that led to things like uh, the creation of Warp Drive and Starships and the expansion of the Terran Empire and all these other things and the building of Terek Nor uh, and everybody else having Warp capable Starships just lands us in this hell of conqueror after conqueror, oppression after oppression.
2: Why can't you just have fun?
1: <laughs> With those troublemakers from the kinder, gentler universe back to their weak side, it is time to see what damage was done in crossover.
2: Crossover. The episode is called Crossover. Uh, we really need to discuss this even less than we discussed The Wire last week. As far as why it's called Crossover, they crossed over, you see, in the mm. mirror universe and pretty much. Oh, end, so from right?
0: like from one place to another place. Yeah, they they cross. Well, okay. same place,
2: mm. but mm. different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, crossover is the name of the episode. Uh, time now for the part where we talk about the messages, morals, meanings, the ideas, the ideals. Talk about whether this whole thing holds up today. Uh, I'll put that question to you, Mr. Champion. Does this episode hold up as far as you're concerned?
0: Uh, let me start with the positives. Oh, you got to <laughs> okay. you gotta accentuate the positives, John.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but
0: I'm not going to eliminate the negatives, I'm no? afraid. No? no but i am going to accentuate the positives do i need to
2: illustrate my last remark
0: (laughs) all right sorry go ahead yes
2: accentuate the positives won't you please
0: okay this is an extremely well-produced episode um uh, all the actors are terrific in this the production design is wonderful it's fun, it breaks up the routine. Uh so there are all these positive things about it. And it's a pretty fully fleshed out version of what's going on in the mirror version of uh of of Deep Space Nine. Okay. But here's the thing. It is an extremely well produced version of a totally unnecessary episode. Hmm. Um and, and we can talk about why it's unnecessary in a moment. But, but look, if we're just stopping here and we're saying, does the episode hold up? Well, I have to say that as a production, as a piece of entertainment, you asked me to just have fun, didn't you? Just have fun with this. I didn't ask sure. you to just
2: have fun. I said, why can't you?
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> why, why can't I? Well, well because uh, part of the job here is to pick apart and analyze Star Trek, not just say Star Trek is awesome, which it is. But looking at it on an episode-by-episode basis, we we have to dig a little deeper here. Uh, Fun, yes. I think everybody in it is wonderful, and I just love looking at it. I love that they changed up the camera angles. I love the changes to the station. It looks marvelous. Um, But it's an unnecessary episode. And here's why. And and if you'll uh, forgive me, I need to put on my Ken hat here for a minute. Uh, Ken, you you have unfairly uh, taken the the brunt of, of some of our listeners who who disagree, maybe with your disagreements with some of these episodes. Mm. And um, yeah, and I, I feel that's a little weird because well, you and I very often will land in kind of a similar place. Um, maybe our levels of enjoyment. Are a little bit different but but as far as what an episode means or what an episode is trying to say we're usually not too terribly far off from each other with some exceptions mm-hmm. in there you know uh but but this is the job the job is to pick it apart see what makes it tick what are the meanings morals messages here's why i have a big problem with this episode and it's because of the message right now i can only compare this episode to mirror mirror because that, that is the only mirror episode that we have seen until we land here in Deep Space Nine. And in Mirror Mirror, that's the episode in which Kirk tells Spock, he tells him the message of the episode. <laughs> because it is part of the overall message of Star Trek, which in, this, in Mirror Mirror, it's one man can start a revolution. Spock says one man can't summon the future. No, but one man can start a revolution. In other words, one person can be the change you want to see. And Spock understands the logic of not being a hateful, barbaric, conquering force, but rather being something else. So Spock was left by Kirk. Mira Spock was left by Kirk to work for peace because the good guys in our universe, in the prime universe, knew that that's what they had to do always wherever they were whenever they were that was their job but guess what that message that directive from kirk himself it, it it just doesn't work in in some other universe this universe the mirror universe just doesn't work yeah you're you're better off just making sure that a horrific amount of power stays with the terran empire Because the alternative is even worse. So uh, too bad. Kirk made a mistake. Now, I get it that that's what the writers here were going for. And that's what they were intrigued by. Michael Pillar said, well, well, what I wanted to explore was what happened after Kirk left Spock behind. Uh, Where did that universe go? What kind of changes uh, was, was Spock able to affect? And... Sure, that, that's a legit place to go, and there are novels that have gone there and and uh, graphic novels that have gone there, even fan films that have gone there to try to figure out what happened after Kirk left. And I think that's all an interesting mental exercise. But here we are with the, the first officially produced Star Trek episode as a follow-up to Mirror Mirror, and it says, guess what? All those... Impassioned words, all those great ideals, they're not gonna work because they're doomed anyway, even if you work for peace. And that's heartbreaking to me. It's depressing to me, and i I, I feel like this diversion into this mirror universe that just happens to feature our cast of Deep Space Nine is kind of wasted. Not because, not because I feel like we have to totally do away with the mirror universe, but it's kind of wasted because not only do we not get a new message out of this, we actually got the, the anti-message to what we saw before explicitly spelled out <laughs> to our heroes by our heroes in the original series.
2: Yeah. It's it's I mean, first of all, you enjoyed the production a bit more than I did. Honestly, it's well produced. It's fine. But I'm kind of bummed by sort of the reverse Wonderful Life thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
2: in in the timeline where, uh, you know, George was never born, his brother Harry wasn't there because George wasn't there to save him when he was a kid. Right. Um, To put it in the parlance of community, there are ramifications to being in the darkest timeline. But somehow here on Deep Space Nine, uh, everybody's going to end up here anyway, with the exception of Bashir and Dax for some reason. Uh, But Odo, really Odo, I I can't see Odo being put in any kind of power, even if he is a vindictive individual. I think the Cardassians and the Klingons would both be too paranoid to let him live because he could turn himself into, you know, any one of those other things. I also have a hard time buying the Klingon Cardassian Alliance, but yeah, Cardassian Alliance, excuse me. But even if you put all of that aside, peace can happen, but it'll mess you up, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So Kirk yeah. says to Spock, to Alt-Spock, you can do this. And Alt-Spock's like, yeah, you know what? I'll think about it. And not only did Spock think about it, but he actually achieved it. And what he got as a result um, was, you know, uh, peace for the weak, because because once the Terran Empire uh, was better than the Terran Empire knew it could be, well that just left it open to the uh, to the Cardassians and the Klingons, and that's yeah. I mean that's that is that is Star Trek refuting Star Trek. Yeah, and 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 you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad you're
0: enjoying it. <laughs> Yeah, I, again, I, I was entertained by this episode. It, mm-hmm. it was just fun to watch because it's different, because the actors get to really chew the scenery in a way they haven't done before. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And that's part of what I liked about the original Mirror Mirror. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, we get to give our actors a break and see them just go totally off the rails as something else. And that, that was fun to watch. I think there's a little bit of a problem here, though, that, you know, the original series, we cut a lot of slack for doing things like showing up on the Nazi planet or showing up on a planet that's an exact mirror copy of Earth, uh, but it's overrun by kids who are all dying of this terrible disease that kills anybody past the age of puberty like we we cut them certain slack because we feel like TOS is a little more of this literary science fiction it, it, it's this anthology show where things don't have to add up perfectly it's a little more uh, comic booky in a way mm-hmm. when we get to next generation And now everything that has come after Next Generation, particularly DS9, where we're saying, this is serious, this is a fully fleshed out universe where things have consequence, then it's harder to slip in an episode like this, that, as I said before about the mirror problem, where it's a metaphor inside a metaphor. And to me, that's just a, 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 it's a literary tool you visit once to make a point, to, to tell this story and and leave us on the high note of our hero kirk saying oh you can do better than this think of the logic of peace that's the message to the audience in 1967 hopefully a message that would resonate in the decades since then to say it it is far better for all of you and a far more logical choice to decide that you're going to put all this effort into making the world and by extension the galaxy a better place for everybody and spock gets it spock is supposed to represent the logical part of our brains says yeah that that is actually a better way to go Um,
2: and he apparently actually spreads that message mm -hmm. not only does spock get it everybody in the terran empire gets it
0: yeah well, he had the device. He could kill anybody who disagreed with him. Wow. I, 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 I,
2: logically, though, I don't think that's what he would have
0: done. No, yeah, no, I agree. I, mean, it's just, I agree. Yeah. So it's, um, it, it, it's unfortunate, I feel, that, uh, that this almost feels like an episode or a storyline squandered by saying all that other stuff that happened 100 years ago didn't count because uh, that message doesn't work.
2: Good times. Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Hey, if you want to check out some more fun podcasts, some more exciting podcasts, some more Star Trek podcasts, you should check out the Roddenberry Podcast Network at podcast.roddenberry.com. There you'll find Mission Log, Mission Log Live, Woman at War, Priority One, and the Trek Files, podcast.roddenberry.com. If you'd like to help support Mission Log directly, that'd be great patreon.com slash mission log is the place to do that for more exciting star trek podcasts check out trek fm at trek.fm and for the latest in star trek news and discussions be sure to visit trekmovie.com
0: next week the collaborator
1: Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp Eleven online at warp11.com and from the album Messages by Key Theory, free to download at k.i.theory.com. Bad news: the sponge they used to pick up Odo was a bit small. He will be fine, though a bit small. To work
0: podcast. Roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast
2: Network.